If you didn't bring a Bible with you, the ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold your hand up real high if you need to use a Bible. And let's turn to a couple of openings. Let's go to Galatians 5 and Romans 12. Galatians 5 and Romans 12. Galatians 5.13 says, Brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now here he he applies loving somebody. The ap- practical application, he said, was serving them. Didn't he? In love, serve one another. Then he says, for all the laws fulfilled in this word, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. So that's how you're loving them, is by serving them. Can you see that? Let me read to you another translation of this, the Amplified. Amplified of verse 13 says, Brethren, you were indeed called to freedom. Did you know you got a call on your life to be free? (laughs) That's not just a political statement. That's not just an American statement. That's a gospel statement. You are called to be free. Say it out loud. I'm called called to be free. free. Hallelujah. But then he goes on immediately. He says, but don't let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh. An opportunity or excuse for selfishness. You are free to do what? He said not free to be selfish. You're free through love. You should serve one another. I'm free to serve. Somebody say thank you Lord. Lord. The complete English version. The CEV. It says my friends. You were chosen to be free. Aren't you glad about that? So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do anything you want. But use it as an opportunity to serve each other with love. Thank you, Lord. We begin a new series this morning. Hallelujah. And the title is Saved to serve. Thank you, Lord. Saved to serve. And I'm so glad you're so happy about it. <laughs> I believe it to be very significant and timely. I believe the, the things the Lord has done in us uh, up through the years now has built to this place. And that now what we've learned, we apply in these areas. And so would you believe with me today and in the days to come for the utterance, for the direction, for the revelation, exactly what we need for now to become what we're called to be. We're called to be free, but not free just to be selfish, free to serve. Can you say amen? Amen. Look with me in Romans 12. Romans 12 and the first verse 
He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Listen to another translation of this, the the NIV. NIV says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, that is, as opposed to uh, killing it and putting it on the altar and burning it. It's a dead sacrifice. That would be quicker and easier, actually, than what he's talking about. (laughs) Living is something you do every day, right? A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Worship. Now we'll be going over this repeatedly, but there are two main areas from the start now that we require mind renewal. And so I want us to make associations with a couple of words. When we hear ministry, we should think service. If you look up the words in the New Testament, you will see that they're used completely interchangeably, ministry and service. That's what it means. And if you look up the word, it means the word service, it means literally to wait on or to attend to. Same word translated ministry. To minister means to serve. And, and the most accurate example I know of is a wait person, a waiter or a waitress. It is, is the best picture of the real meaning of the word I'm aware of. Because it means to attend to, to uh, wait on. It also means to run errands. And this is ministry. Do you see why I say we need mind renewal? When we think, when you hear ministry, what should you think? Service. Service. But then also, did you notice that he went on to say, let's read Romans further, another translation in the uh, Amplified. He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God, in view of all the mercies of God. What does that mean? In view of how merciful and gracious God has been to you and me. We should make a decisive dedication of our, your bodies, all your members, your faculties, as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, that word literally means logical, reasonable, rational, intelligent, service, and spiritual worship. Say it out loud. Reasonable service. Reasonable service. Spiritual worship. worship. Your service, he's saying, is your spiritual worship. And that's the second area we need mind renewal. The first one is when you hear ministry, you should think service. And when you hear ministry or service, you should think worship. That's where we need mind renewal. Because most of the time when people hear worship, they think music. And singing. 
And that is an area of worship. But that's not something you do every day all the time necessarily. And one of the greatest ways you worship God is with your service. Our service is spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. Spiritual Spiritual worship. Let me go over it again real slow. When you hear ministry, what should you think? Service. Service. When you hear ministry or service, what else should you think? Worship. Worship. Spiritual. Worship. Now back to this defining what it means to to serve or, or service. It means to attend to. Here's some other renderings. It means to wait on, like waiting on table. It means to render assistance. It means to be of use. I like that one. Another part of it means to have a definite use. To be useful or of service. So what we're talking about is usefulness in service. I'll jump ahead some and we'll see this more as we go, but the most miserable life you can live is the self-serving life. I don't care how much stuff you get, how successful you think you are in your profession or this or that, if all you live for is you and what you want, what you think you need, you will be empty, you will be unfulfilled, you cannot get enough stuff, you cannot have enough success to fill that hole. And especially for a child of God. Because you were saved to serve. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes, you were. Say it out loud. I was saved saved to serve. serve. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. You were saved not to be useless, but to be useful. You were saved not to be unfruitful, but to be fruitful. You are created with graces and gifts and abilities that make you useful. And make you a benefit and a blessing to the body. You know, the service team, excuse me, the clean team was uh, uh, highlighted Today, we'll be highlighting different teams as we go along. But uh, uh, how many are thankful for a clean place? Yes. I mean, have you noticed around your house, things don't just get clean by themselves? I mean, <laughs> it's, you saw just a little snapshot. This is a, a sizable place, and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work to make sure every chair you see them with the little lint brushes on every chair and uh, for the bathrooms to be clean and for the carpets to be clean. It is a lot of work, a whole lot of work, but many hands make light work. I mean, it's an almost impossible job for a couple of people, but for hundreds of people, it's not a bad job. You can do it and chat and have fun while you're doing it when hundreds of people are taking care of it. Right? And so, what they're doing though, we need mind renewal. So many people think 
It's not ministry unless you're preaching or prophesying. And it's not spiritual unless you're praying in tongues or quoting scriptures. But according to the scriptures, their service benefits us. Right? So it is their cleaning of carpets and cleaning of uh, the aisles and vacuuming is a spiritual worship. Especially when they come with hearts full of faith and love for the Lord, for His work, and they do it with gladness and willingness. It is just as much worship as you standing up, raising your hands, going hallelujah, glory to God. It is, now come on, think about it. Pushing that vacuum cleaner is the same as going hallelujah, glory to God, I worship you. It is spiritual worship. And it is true ministry. Glory. Now, the word ministry has taken on some baggage and connotations that it ought not have. I want you to go with me over to Matthew, please. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Back when we began the church, not long into it, the Lord dealt with us, gave us the vision for having uh, service teams, and dealt with me specifically not to call them ministry teams. That was back then years ago, call them service teams. Why? Well, they are ministry teams, but why call them service instead of ministry? Because there's some warped ideas about ministry. And when you say ministry, a lot of times people's mind go down that tangent and they're not thinking service. They're actually thinking the opposite of what they should be thinking. Some people think, well, you know, they're not acknowledging my ministry. They're not giving place to my gift. And I need your help so I can do my ministry. But that's not being service-minded. Now, is it? And it's the idea of, you know, I have a lofty position and I have title and I'm somebody and you should assist me and help me to do my important ministry. <laughs> but let's look at what Jesus said about all that. In Matthew 20 and verse 25. Jesus called his disciples to him and the people. He said, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. In the world, it is this struggle and climb to be on top. To be where you can call the shots and other people have to assist you and do what you say. And let you be the big wig. And that's the push right and left in the world. But I want you to notice verse 26. What did the master say? Verse 26. But it shall not be so among you. No trying to climb over each other. To climb the ladder. No big me and little you. No. He said it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, King James says, which means servant. 
When you hear ministry, what should you think? Service. Service. And of course, when you hear ministry or service, you should think worship, spiritual. Worship. He said, whoever's going to be the greatest among you, he's the one that's going to be ministering to you or being of service to you. In verse 27, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Thank you, Lord. Verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. What does minister mean? Serve. So Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And I came to give. If we're Christ-like, we'll be service-minded and giving-minded. Right? Now what we're talking about, and it blesses me that we can be on this, because it reveals that the Lord believes we can receive it. And that there's at least some maturity and development. Because babies don't think like this. Natural or spiritual. Babies are naturally selfish. In fact, they are unaware of how selfish they are. You know a little one in the crib. Can't even talk. Cry and wail in the uh, middle of the night or early morning. Three o'clock in the morning. For no good reason. (laughs) Just woke up and something didn't feel quite right. And so just wail. Wake you up. You come in to check on them. And if they could talk, they wouldn't say it. But whether they can or not, they will not go, oh, did I wake you up? (laughs) I am so sorry. Uh Uh-uh. They are oblivious that you were put out or inconvenienced. Not that they don't care more than that. They don't even know to care. And that's not a terrible thing because they are a a baby. I said they're a baby. I said they're a baby. Babies. Babies only think about their comfort, their ease, their desires. I'm hungry. I'm hot. I'm cold. I'm uncomfortable. I'm stinky. (laughs) But with no awareness of what you are. That you had a long day at work. That you're tired. Completely unaware. And that's, that's okay. They're a baby. It's not okay when they're 25. <laughs> and as believers, <laughs> if all you are aware of is I need assistance, I need help, I need somebody to pray for me, I need somebody to counsel me, I need somebody to give me money, then you are a baby. And if you got born again last week, that's okay. 
you really are a baby. But if you were born again back in the 70s or 60s or 50s, by reason of time, we should grow up. I said we should grow up. And some of the most clear and definite evidence that you are growing up is that you are becoming increasingly aware of people around you, your brothers, your sisters, what's going on with them, what they could use, what they need, what they desire, and increasing in you is the desire for the Lord to be able to use you to help them. And the master said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Go to John. John the 13th chapter. John 13. And uh, let's look at uh, 11. Well, verse 12. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. You remember that? He took off his outer clothes and he dressed himself like a a bond slave, like the lowliest of slaves. And he took a towel and he washed their feet and he wiped them off. And you can tell how this took them aback because you remember when he got to Peter and Peter said, no way, no way are you doing that for me. That's what the lowliest of the lowliest slaves did was wash the dirty, cruddy feet of somebody. You know, there wasn't all the pavement and carpets around then that there are now. So there's a lot of dirt and mud and stuff. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) well, there's a lot of donkeys around, okay? And, uh, (laughs) And critters. But anyhow, this was not a high profile job. (laughs) <laughs> this is what do you do I'm a foot washer <laughs> wouldn't be even a, a foot washing engineer I mean you couldn't even <laughs> foot washer associate foot washer you just couldn't jazz it up too much it was the lowliest position but Jesus takes that place and he doesn't just talk about it He does it. He's down on his knees. He's down with the pan. He's washing their feet. And how many thought he he did a good job of it? Well, you think he would? Go ahead and do a good job of it. He washed their feet real good. He dried them off real good. When he got to Peter, Peter said, no way. Uh Uh-uh, Lord. You will never wash my feet. Uh Uh-uh. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you don't know what I'm doing, but you'll understand it later. And he said, no, no, no way. He said, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. Well, one good thing about Peter, he knew when to change, didn't he? I mean, he was a little too vocal, too quick, but he did know when to change. He said, well, then, Lord, uh, not just my feet, but my head, my hands, give me a bath. Hey, the Lord said, no, that's not necessary. And he washed his feet. But in verse 12, after he washed their feet and he had taken his garments and he sat down again, he said to them, know ye what I have done to you? Because they didn't understand it. He said, do you know what I have just did? Verse 13. You call me master and Lord. And you say well. You say right. 
For so I am. I am. Verse 14. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Thank you, Lord. Verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Verse 16, Verily, verily, I say to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. You want to be happy? Have a foot washer mentality. How many take the words of Jesus to be right? You want to be happy? You want to be happy? Let's turn it around. You want to be unhappy? (laughs) Then... Try to look for everybody to do stuff for you. And be disgruntled when they don't do it. I have a philosophy I operate by when it comes to other people doing things for me. I've done it for years. Keeps me happy too. When it comes to you doing something for me or anybody doing something for me, I expect nothing. And I'm thankful for everything. So if you don't do it, I'm not disappointed. If you do do it, I appreciate it. Why would I say that? Do you know how many Christians are so bitter and so unhappy? They're, they seethe. They sit around going, you know, they were supposed to do that for me. Or they should have done that. Or why didn't they? Or I mean something as simple as why didn't they come see me? Why didn't they call me? Why do you think they owe you? Well, I'm their grandmother. So they owe you because you're their grandmother. Well, I'm their father. I'm their this. I'm their sister. They owe me. If they owe you, you've made it impossible for them to give you anything. Anything they would do, you think is payment of what they owe. So it can't be a gift. And it's why people stay away from their relatives by the millions. Because if they do call, if they do show up, they're going to get berated for the first 30 minutes about why you hadn't been around, why you didn't call, why you didn't do this, why you didn't do that, which is ugly, self-entitlement, stinky attitude of people owe you stuff. When the truth is, they don't. And if you won't let yourself feel entitled, if you correct yourself, anytime a thought or feeling like that comes across, you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. They don't owe me anything. Well, I gave them X amount of years of my life, and I did this, and I did that. Did you give it to them, or are you wanting repayment? If you gave it to them because you loved them, because you wanted to do it, they owe you nothing. Because it was not a loan, it was a gift. If they owe you something, you didn't give it to them. You want to be paid. You want your payment. You want to be repaid. And you're not being service minded. If we're thinking like the master, we're thinking, what can I do to help them? What could I do that would be of benefit to them? (laughs) You should see the looks across the crowd. People go, Don't be annoyed with me now. Search the scriptures. 
See what they say. And just ask yourself this question. Being that way, does it make you happy or unhappy? Being miffed the better part of the time. Because somebody didn't do this or they didn't do that. Or they haven't done this or they didn't do it. I don't care if they said they were going to do it and didn't do it. That's between them and the Lord. Let it be between them and the Lord. And if they bring it up, go, hey, I didn't ask you for it. I didn't say you owed me anything. That's between you and him. Because do you want people doing stuff for you that they don't want to do? No, you don't. Let me go over that again real slow. <laughs> do you want people doing things for you that they begrudge? No. They really don't want to do it. No, you don't. No, you don't. What you want to do is not even think about that side of it. What people ought to do for you, what they could, what they should. Don't even let yourself think. That's not your part. That's between them and the Lord. Right? What you should be thinking about is what can the Lord use me to do? Being service minded. Can you say amen? Go back to Matthew 23. Do you believe the word is good? That it will make you free? That it will help you out? I want you to to focus in on that statement Jesus made. He said, you are happy if you will do this. You want to be happy? Then you need to have a foot washing mentality. Which is a Jesus mentality. Uh, I came to wait on you. I came to help you. I didn't come to be helped. Now that doesn't mean you can't receive anything if somebody's trying to minister to you. Doesn't mean you can't let them do it. But you're not just thinking about what somebody can do for you. You're mindful of what God could use you to do for them. In Matthew 23 and verse 1, Jesus spoke to the multitude and to his disciples. And he said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Whatever they bid you to observe, observe it and do it. But don't do after their works. I mean, you can do what they preach, but you can't do what they do. For they say and do not. They preach it, but they don't practice it. Verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. How many think that anything a man or woman preaches that anybody ought to do, they ought to do? Right? How many think preachers that preach on tithing ought to tithe? Or if they preach on praying, they ought to pray themselves. Right? If... I mean, there's no, no exception. If it's good for one person to do, it's good for the other person to do. If it's right, it's right for everybody. He said, the, all their works they do for to be seen of men. So then that's going to make them act differently in public than in private. And he talks about their clothes. They had uh, actually things they would do on the border of their garments and on uh, little boxes that they had and stuff that would try to show people how spiritual they were. And verse 6, And they loved the uppermost rooms at feast, and they loved the chief seats in the synagogues. Well, some things don't change, do they? We were, I was talking with some folks a while back, and uh, we were talking about some meetings we had been in where people absolutely got run over. Uh, and people knocked them down, knocked them out of the way, 
or somebody had gotten to the front and, and put their Bible on the seat and, and they took it and pitched it out somewhere. And, and uh, <laughs> I mean, just some roots. These are supposed to be Christians. And just some of the most selfish stuff. Anyway, this seeking the preeminent place, seeking to be seen, to be known, that's ungodly. That's not like the master. He said, it shall not be like that among you. It's like that in the world, but it's not supposed to be like that among you. And they love greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Verse 8, be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. Now, how would you interpret this? He said, don't be called rabbi so-and-so, or master, or teacher so-and-so. How would you interpret that we should practice that? Verse 9, and... Call no man your father upon the earth. For one is your father which is in heaven. This is talking about the same thing. It's talking about using titles. Rabbi so-and-so. Father so-and-so. What did he say about that? How do you interpret that? I know people all over the world in numerous different denominations they call their ministers father so and so Jesus said don't do it which is why I don't personally I don't use the title reverend nor pastor and uh, listen carefully and don't just take my word for it search the scriptures out I am a minister I am a pastor but I'm not Pastor Keith, I'm Brother Keith, a pastor. And I prefer to do it that way. I believe it's in line with this. And I believe, some say, well, let's just, you know, being picky about words. No, it's a different way of thinking. Because part of the problem with so called ministry is this title emphasis, which takes away. From a service emphasis. And I mean it's widespread across the body. Apostle so and so. Prophet so and so. Well what's the difference between saying that and saying pastor so and so. (laughs) I heard moo. That's a big old fat sacred cow there. We hit her broadside too. Let me give you a little exercise. Don't take my word for it at all. Study the scriptures. Find me one place that Paul ever referred to himself as the Apostle Paul. Find one place that any of them ever did. No, what he says is Paul, an apostle. So a lot of times he said Paul, a servant of Christ and an apostle. He emphasized the servant part equally with the apostle. Apostle is not a title. It's a service description. It's how he serves the body. And it makes a lot of difference in your mentality. Because people that are wanting... 
to be on the platform. They want them to be in the spotlight. They want them to be called apostle such and such and evangelist and master and teacher and rabbi. Are not thinking like Jesus. Because he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I am a pastor. I am a minister. But what I am, what I am is what I'm doing right now. And what I'm doing is coming to your table. Huh? And serving you the word of God. Which is the joy of my life. Why? Because it means I'm useful. I'm not just doing nothing with my life. I'm useful. And if I can see you and you're eating it up and you're going yum yum, that's good. Or sometimes if you spit it back out and I go, that's all right, that's all right. Let me get it right. Okay, open wide, open wide. Here's zoom, zoom, zoom. It's my job. It's my job. But do you have a job? Yes. It's just, I am no more called than you are. I may be more called to preach and teach than you are. But you're just as called to service as I am in your area. And we're going to see this in the scriptures as we go. There is a, um, there's a warped, just like there's a warped concept about ministry, there's a warped concept about the work of the ministry, about the body of Christ. There's no greater feeling in the world than the feeling of usefulness, that your life matters, that you're doing something that helps somebody. That benefits somebody. Would the Lord give this to a handful in the body and deprive the rest of the body of such this opportunity and this need? No, no. How many would agree one of the greatest things in this world is to really truly be useful? It's just one of the greatest things of all. And your usefulness is your service, which is your ministry, which is your spiritual worship. Can you say amen? Man, the Lord's helping us now, isn't he? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Ephesians, please, the fourth chapter. Ephesians chapter four. Can you begin to see why the Lord would have us to be on this now and at this time? Ephesians four and 11. Jesus, when he, uh, you know, had descended into the heart of the earth, and then when he ascended on high, the Bible said he gave gifts unto men. And he gave some apostles, that's gift, and some prophets, those are gifts, and some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. These are gifts to the body of Christ. And here, verse 12, is the purpose for the gift. Why he gave the gift? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now I want you to listen to another translation of this. The NIV. 
The NIV verse 12 says these apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers were to prepare God's people for works of service. Here's the question. Who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? That's where the problem has lied. Because you got churches all over this country, all over the world, that for generations now have embraced the idea that it is the ministers, the preachers, when they, when they think ministers, they think preachers, that are to do the work of the ministry. And that is not right. That's not what he said. It can't happen that way. And so... In churches all over this, I mean churches in this county, in this state, churches all over there, uh, uh, pastors, ministers have been reduced to hirelings. And they are hired and fired by committees, and they are hired to do the work of the ministry. They're hired to preach, to pray, to counsel, to visit. To do the work of the ministry. And that's wrong. I said that's wrong. I said. It's unscriptural. It's contrary to scripture. It's wrong. Let's read another translation. And see if you see what we're talking about here. Amplified. Verse 12. God's intention. With the giving of these gifts. Which includes pastors and all of them. His intention was the what? The perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should sit. They should sit and enjoy good singing. (laughs) That the saints should be perfected and equipped and built up so that they could Sit. Huh? Sit. Sit. And enjoy good preaching. I'm hearing some no's and I'm seeing some head shaking, but you do know that's what millions believe. They believe, you know, that that's what we got the preachers for, is to do the work of the ministry. But no, what's the preacher's job? To help equip the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. Am I reading the Bible or not? Now it's not just this one verse. We're going to see a bunch of verses before this is over with. We've already seen. Save to serve. Right? We've already seen Galatians 5, seen Romans 12. The list goes on. But uh, this is the religious tradition that you run up against. And so the model is that you've got pastors and you've got a handful of staff and a few really dedicated Christians and they do all the work of the church, of the ministry, and 98% of the people come and sit. And that's it. A lot of them don't even tithe. 
don't give, much less lift a hand to do anything. And see no problem with it. But friends, life is short. I said life is short. And in just a few days, you're going to be out of here. You're not going to live down here forever. You're going to be out of here. And you are going to want, among other things, some rewards. Aren't you? And so what we need to ask ourselves as this is ongoing, what is my service to the Lord, which is my service to the saints, to his church, to his body? What is my service? What am I doing that's of benefit to the church? And if you've wasted some time and missed some opportunities, don't let condemnation get on you. That won't help you at all. Be glad your heart's still beating and God's still on the throne and you could have some opportunity and time and days right now and not leave out of here empty-handed. Have some fruit. Be useful. Amen. And get some reward and make a difference. Can you say amen? Let me read the uh, easy to read translation. Verse 12. Said Christ gave these gifts to do what? To prepare God's holy people. That's all the saints. You've been made holy not by what you've done but by the blood of the Lamb. To prepare all of God's people for the work of serving. To make the body of Christ stronger. Hallelujah. (laughs) Two things. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this morning what the Lord corrected me about. Is that all right? I was going to wait, but I'm going to tell you now. He told me two things to do in this church. Not just for me, for you and me to do. He said every position at least three deep. That's every cleaner, every parking lot person, Every person working in children's, youth, every position at least three deep. Four, five, six is better, but a minimum of three. And rotate. That means the same person is not in there all the time. They rotate. And I know some people want to be in there all the time, but the Lord said no. And he said we hadn't done what he told us to do. I'm not going to sit by and let that be. We must do what he told us to do. And how many believe his instruction is for our good? It's important in more ways than we even know. So if you see positions and you know that there's a a couple of people or somebody already said, well, that's already taken care of. No, no. We could use two, three, four, five times the people working in the same positions that we already have right now. And we got some wonderful people and faithful people. But how many think they ought to be able to rest once in a while too? Huh? I know some folks don't want to, but the Lord said for you to. So we're going to follow him. Huh? It'll help you. Because if you're not doing it all the time, while you're observing, you'll get a new perspective. You'll get refreshed. How many know sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees while you're in the middle of it, but it'll help you. And then you'll come back into it refreshed. And we require 
thousands of people additional right now. And all the teams all over the place to do what the Lord told us to do. Just to be obedient. We require additional thousands, on top of who's already working, additional thousands of people right now. And did you know that you need to serve more than we need you to serve? And we're going to see that further as we go. But of course, many hands make light work. I mean, when you got when you got so many, and we are also the army of the Lord, aren't we? And there is an enemy of our soul. He's arrayed against us, and he will try to hurt people, and he'll try to take people out. We're honoring uh, our veterans today. And how many think in the military they know this, and they got people trained for backup. And if a guy falls in battle, there's two, three, four right behind him, right to come in, pick up the flag. Come on, are you listening? And keep on trucking. And that's what we got to do. As the body of Christ, we've got to be prepared. We're constantly training and ready. So there should never be a situation where somebody wanted to go on vacation and nobody's around to do their job. And you got a church full of thousands of people? That's ridiculous. And you know that there are church after church after church with a little handful of people overworked, overburdened, still not taking care of anything because you just can't. And then you got masses of people coming, sitting, going, leaving, doing nothing for the kingdom, feeling empty, feeling miserable, not feeling useful. Not here at Faith Life. Come on, how about not here at Faith Life? No, no. The Lord's helping us. And we are going to be three and four and five and six deep. And we're going to rotate like the Lord told us to. We're going to be refreshed and ready. Nobody's going to be worn out or burned out. Everybody's going to be ready. And refreshed and looking forward to their time to step up to do their service. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? The saints. Not the preachers. The saints. And thank God You can begin to see the the work of the ministry and building up the whole body of Christ is a much bigger job than a handful of preachers could ever touch. It's going to take everybody in their place. And something that the Lord is helping us with is you cannot develop by just sitting and listening. You can't. You have to put into practice the things And you know, when you work on a team, you have to walk in love with people. You have to be patient. Have to use your faith. Have to put your flesh under. All those kind of things. Oh, sure, it's easier just to sit back and watch it from afar and go, yeah, they're doing a good job. Y'all keep on. I'm saved to sit and soak. I sit and I soak. Well, you're either legitimately a baby, got saved last week, 
And we'll, we'll help you to grow up real quick if you'll stay around. <laughs> or you should have grown up years ago, decades ago, but refused to. That's why a lot of folks don't like churches like these. They want to go where a no-fault religion is preached. That no matter what happens, it's not my fault. No matter what doesn't happen, it's not my fault. And nobody expects anything of me. And everything is just for me. And that's, that's quite popular right now. And it has always been popular. But it's not the Bible. I said it's not the Bible. When you begin to grow up in God, you begin to think like the master. And you say, I am not here to be served. I am here to serve and to give. Give my life. Lay down my time, my resources, ability. And when you start trying to step out in that, you will see the gifts and graces God put in you begin to surface. Oh, come on now. And people around you will begin to see them surface. And as you develop or do it more, they will develop and they'll get stronger and more obvious. And old friend, you'll begin to bear fruit. And when you go home and lay your head on the pillow, you might be tired. You might have been dusty and dirty and sweaty when you came in. But after a shower and you lay down, you feel good because you are useful. You are making a difference. You are helping somebody with something. And even though it may not be seen or known or advertised over the TV, you are a part of making the body of Christ work. You are a part of getting the gospel out. You are a part of people being comfortable. Amen. Getting them ready to receive. How many think our parking lot people help people get ready to receive from the time they turn in here? Our greeters are helping people get ready to receive. Our cleaners were helping people get ready to receive. Because it's quite a distraction if you sit down and a piece of gum is stuck to the back of your good clothes. And while you're thinking, what in the world is that? You just missed three scriptures that the preacher was talking about. Now, come on, think about it. So if their ministry prevented them missing those scriptures, then how is what they did any less important than the preacher preaching the scriptures? Because if it hadn't been there, they'd have missed it. They wouldn't have got it. Every one of these positions is spiritual and worship. And God receives it as such. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it out loud, I am saved to serve. It is my ministry. It is my service. It is my spiritual worship. Glory to God. Go ahead, stand on your feet. Let's thank God for showing it to us plainly, bringing us into it fully. Thank you, Master. Oh, lift up your hands. Just close your eyes, lift up your hands, open up your heart to the Lord. Lord, we thank you. We worship you. We worship you for being so kind to us, so good to us, so gracious to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Said out loud, Father God, thank you for helping me to see the truth. 
it makes me free. Helping me to see my master, Jesus, how he really is. And you've made me to be like him. Think like him. Live like him. Desire like him. Enjoy what he enjoys. Be what he is. And I thank you for working that in me. Remind me of what you've shown me. Anything you directed me to do that I didn't do or didn't do fully. And by your grace, I'll take my service more seriously. And thank you for more opportunity, more time and grace to get it right and to become useful and of benefit and of service to you, to your church, to my brothers and sisters. Thank you for blessing me and making me a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.